Somebody make some noise for Jesus this morning. Let's see which section does it louder. This section alone, make some noise. Very cool. <laughs> we have never done that at church. Sherman, I apologize. He's looking at me with all the judgment on his face like, oh my goodness, great. I'm just kidding. I am so glad to see everybody this morning. Grab your Bibles and turn. I need you to turn to two places. John chapter 3. And then I want you to take your finger and stick it over in Acts chapter 1. And we're going to ask everybody to stand for the reading of the word. Because the word of God is the living God himself. Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ is the word of God in bodily form. And we are reading him today. And I'm expecting him to do some amazing things in this house. Amen. Y'all ready? uh, John chapter 3. We're looking at verse 8. Here's what it says. The wind blows where it will. The King James puts it. The wind bloweth where it listeth. That sounds really cool. But I don't know what all the ETHs are about. So... The wind blows wherever it will. In other words, the wind determines where it's going to go. You you don't see a wind map. You you don't get direction from the government about where the wind's going to blow. Amen? The wind blows wherever it will, and you hear the sound it makes, but you don't know where it comes from, and you don't know where it's going. There's no denomination that determines where the wind goes. There's no church that determines where the wind goes. There's no hierarchy of religious structure. There's no theology that determines where the wind goes. The wind determines where the wind's going to go. And you don't know where it's going and you don't even really know where it comes from. Exactly. I'm with you. Danny's already preaching with me. I love this last phrase. So it is. With everyone. Y'all say everyone. everyone. Just, just some of the people though, right, Pastor? Everyone means just some, right? When the Bible says everyone, in the original Greek, it means a smaller portion of the greater whole. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Let me give you a little bit of interpolation here before I have you seated. If that's the way it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit... If that's not the way it is with some of the people, then those people are not born of the Spirit. But here's the beautiful thing. He wants everyone to be born of the Spirit. Y'all ready to go deep into our brand new sermon series? Keep your Bibles open. Let's lift our voices for just a few seconds. God, I pray that you would move in this house. Your presence has already been so powerful, God. And I am so thankful for who you are and what you're already doing. Come alive in us this morning with your word. In the name of Jesus, everybody said amen. Amen. You can be seated. The wind blows wherever it will. The wind determines where it's going. The wind determines where it's coming from. You don't know as much as you think you know about the wind. Somebody needs to hear me this morning. You can study the word of God until the leather-backed sections fall off of your Bible. You can read all the other books that you can get your head around, but you will not understand the wind of God. 
The problem with theology and the problem with churches and the problem with Christianity as a whole is we like to create a God in our own image around our own comforts. We like a God with the same limitations that we have. We like a God that we can get a grasp on because we want God to be like us because we've already self-determined and self-identified that we are better than anything else around there. So as a result, we want a deity that works just like us. We don't want a deity who is beyond us. We don't really want a deity who has been ahead of us, behind us, alongside us, who is already seeing where everything ends because time exists inside of him instead of him existing inside of time. We like a God we can control because that's how we like it. Because we like controlling people. Is everybody equally offended yet? Anybody in this section not offended? Let me come at you. Just, I'm just kidding. This is what we like. We like our religion weak and watered down. We like our doctrine passive and non-challenging. We like our dedications to only be on the surface and only on our Facebook post. We like our lifestyles to be malleable depending on who's around us at any given time. We like the form of godliness, but we don't really want the power thereof. Because when the power of God starts moving, we don't know what to do. And we're like, I don't know what to do with my hands. He's like, don't worry about what to do with your hands. Just let me be God. You don't know where the wind's coming from. You don't know where it's going. And when you're born of the Spirit, it's the same way. There's this thought pattern in religion that theology is the answer. Let, let, me, let, let me break it down a little bit. And, and by the way, just go ahead and brace yourself. I'm probably going to offend you today. It's completely unintentional. Unless it is. You know, I'm just kidding. I'm not coming for anybody except for everybody in the room and everybody watching on the video. That includes me. We like our religious structures. We like the fact that we think a church is the epitome of everything that God ever determined. It's interesting to me that a church that started three to four hundred years after Christ walked the earth says that they are the original church. That is just very interesting to me. It's very interesting to me that although the God who, who formed everything in this Old Testament was subjected to a religious idea that was determined by a bunch of theologians who didn't even really know him, who were chasing more of a political idea, and we say that is the foundation of the church. And everybody just goes, okay, that's what we do. And don't bump it because if you bump it, oh my God, you're offending the, the sacraments. Like, let's choke them. Not the people, the sacraments. Let's choke the sacraments. People are fine. I say, Pastor, why are you going? Because it's time for us to go to another place than we've been. It's time for us to let go of our religious ideas. It's time for us to let go of the theological notions that we contrive in our peanut-sized brain. And it's time to kick the walls down on the little religious thinking box that we place the Almighty in as if he's not omnipotent, as if he's not omniscient, if he's, as if he's not the Almighty. And we need to say, God, you are God, and wherever you want to go, that's where we're going to go. We're not going to determine your pathway. We're going to let you determine where you're going. Oh, I'm fired up. That Brazilian coffee, like, ah. 
the, the beautiful thing about being the pastor of the church is when you come to the church before everybody else gets here, you get to have as much coffee as you want. And just being real, I, I had like six cups before anybody else got here. It was me first, and then Pastor Matt showed up a little bit after me, and by the time he got here, I was six deep, and I was just like, yeah, let's go! There's a buzzing all the way down to my right big toe, and it's just like, ha! Ah. But you see, I'm excited because you see, last Sunday night, 11 people were baptized in the name of Jesus! Pastor, it feels as if you're trying to start another church on Sunday night. No, they're just going deep. I'm not trying to start another church. I'm trying to set this church on fire. Eleven people baptized into the amazing name of Jesus, and only one was scheduled. I love when God just wrecks the schedule. But let me, let me take it a, a step further. The last two weeks, over the last two weeks on Sunday night, there have been four people baptized in the Holy Spirit as well. It's time for us to let go of what was, and it's time to go into what is. We don't know where the wind's going. The wind blows where it wants to. I wonder if there'd be anybody in this house this morning that would just say, wind, blow where you want to go. Wherever you want to blow, that's where I want to go, yo. (laughs) Praise God. As I was reading to get ready for this series, this is, this is literally the second part of our calling series. Did y'all enjoy the calling series? We ended it last Sunday. If you missed any part of that, it, they are all on nolachurch.com. They are all on the app, and they are all on our YouTube channel as well. So if, if, if any part of this doesn't really make sense to you, I don't have time to review everything. Just go check those places out. You can get caught up. We learned that calling is not a title. It's not a position. It's not even behavior calling is identity. And that's where we're going in this series. We're going to be diving into our identity and I'm just labeling this series discovery. Everybody say discovery. And over the next few weeks, I'm I'm going to be unpacking a few things today. I'm going to be unpacking passion. And if you need a title, it's simply this discovering passion. And this series, we're going to be looking at the intersection between passion and gifting. Calling is not what we do. Calling is the beginning of a relationship right where the two roads of passion and gifting cross. And this is where we learn who we are and then everything that flows out of that identity is how we live out our calling. And this is where we truly discover purpose. And I'm believing that God is going to do something great in this house. I believe God is going to do something great in our family in Kenya and Nairobi and throughout Yandarua County. Let's give them a good NOLA welcome. We love y'all. Buena Asafiwe. Ashley and her family in Australia, let's give them a big NOLA welcome. And all the other people who are joining us from all over the country, y'all come down here. Our food's better. And Jesus is God down here way better than he is in other places. But anyway... Discovery. Everybody say discovery. God wants you to be on a journey of discovery. The problem with self-appointed theologians is they think they've already arrived. If you ever hear someone make the statement, or if you ever make the statement, well, they're not teaching what I like to hear, 
or I'm not being fed, you need to understand that statement comes from a place of you have arrived and there's nothing else for you to discover. Okay, Chris, Christopher Columbus of the religious world, there's more. This ain't India. It's a whole different place. Like, they need to teach more about Christopher Columbus because half of y'all didn't even get that joke. Like, he got canceled so much you don't even know what happened. But anyway. Thank you for the laughter. Thank you for the laughter. There's a whole lot more beyond what you know. If you can get God and put him into the frontal lobe, that's not God. God is going to challenge what you think you know about him. Because you don't really know where he's coming from. You don't know where he's going. You think, oh, I'm used to this. I know what God's going to do. And he's like, whoop, I hung a lefty right over here. You're like, what are you doing, God? I'm not comfortable with that. He says, I don't really care. I didn't make you to be comfortable. I'm calling you to a place of discomfort because that's when you depend on me. If you can get me in a box, then you can control me. And I ain't going to be controlled because I won't share my glory with anyone else. It's okay. Y'all going to preach with me this morning. So what does it mean to discover passion? You have to understand this. Passion begins when something dynamic happens between you and God. How many of y'all remember over the last two really, really long series that we did at the beginning of the year and then last year we dug into the book of Genesis and we talked about the wind of God blowing across creation. If you go back to like Genesis chapter one, right around verse two, it says, and the spirit of God moved over the face of the waters. If you unpack that, what it means is the spirit of God breathed over the chaos and the darkness that was the absence of his deity. And that's where sparks begin to happen in the, what we call the atmosphere. And these sparks are how God began to create life by the spoken word. In the same way that this happened when creation happened. By the way, you did not evolve from another life source. You were hand formed by the almighty. You are not natural. You are above nature. You are determined and designed to be the one who controls and stewards nature. You're not subject to nature. You are beyond nature because you were made in the image and the likeness of God. I know that that messes up what they teach in school, but what they teach in school is wrong. And it's time for the church to say, no, that's wrong. I did not evolve from a monkey, although my brother really, really looks like one. He's not watching. I can get away with that. And I can run faster than him. The bigger they are, the harder I fall. But anyway, we're not designed after nature. Nature was designed for us because we have been designed with the image and the likeness of the, of the creator. And when he breathed across the chaos that was to be creation, life sparks in the exact same way. Jesus said, you were dead in trespasses and sin." If you're living life outside of me, your life is dead. Your life is chaotic. Your life is dark. Somebody know where I'm talking about. And when you come in contact with a living, breathing, almighty God, and he breathes his spirit into the chaos that is your life, a spark happens. That spark happens, and it is called passion. Let me show you how this works. Eden, if you could help me out, put that first slide up here. This is your life. Everybody say my life. <laughs> this is the pathway of your life. 
By the way, I wanted to get a whiteboard and a dry erase marker, but they said no. So I'm going to have to gesture like this. Thank you for coming today, but anyway. (laughs) This feels like a TED Talk. I'm going to go a lot longer than they allow you at TED. But anyway, this is your life. And there are things that begin to happen in your life. When you're born, you're you're just doing life. And you have life experiences. And life experiences begin to determine things in your story. You go to school. You gain some knowledge. You get involved with things that are happening and you gain some experience. You learn to use what has been entrusted to you and you start to gain some stuff. Let me sum all that up with simply the word talent. Put that next slide up there real quick. Bing. These are your talents. Y'all with me? These are your talents. It's what you do. It's what you know. And it's what you have. This is what happens when you do things. You invest in education and you know things. You invest in activity and you do things. You spend what you've gathered and you have things. All three of these things are determined and directioned, if I can use a made-up word there, by your talent. Everything here centers on your pride because this is you. It got quiet. He is messing with me. You are correct. Me too. (laughs) And we like what we know. We like what we've done and we like what we have. Because it makes us feel good about who we are. I don't get involved in small groups because I'm more spiritually advanced than everyone else. I know things that they don't know. I don't need to get involved in overflowing and disaster relief or joining a a, a team. I do other things. Oh, there was trash on the parking lot. Someone else will get that. That is so far beneath me. By the way, when you've arrived to the point that you don't have to pick up the nasty that's around you, you might want to go sit down somewhere because there's nasty on the inside of you. You just haven't recognized yet. This focuses on our pride. This feeds our pride. We go to school and feed our pride. We go to work and we amass wealth to feed our pride. We do things. We know things. We have things to feed our pride. Notice what I have. Have you seen my new? Like This happens with all of us. And this is what happens in life. When you are living your life and you feed your pride off of your talents, you will begin to be elevated. But this elevation is going to take you to a place of spiritual burnout because you can't sustain these three things because you will bump into someone who knows more than you and your whole day ends. You'll bump up against somebody who has more than you and then you'll go into depression because you don't have another comma in your stack. 
Or you'll find out that there's somebody who is more burnout than you and you'll think you'll have to catch up with them and you can't take a day off work because if I take a day off work, everything falls apart. And by the way, this doesn't just happen like in life outside of the church. This happens even more so in the church. Because you see, we formed God to be like us. Therefore, the church that we're a part of is about us. And it's about making us feel good. And we chase purpose. And as a result, we begin to slam up against the brick wall of burnout. And we think there's a way out of it by doing more. We think there's a way out of it by studying more. Let me really bust you here. We think there's a way out of it by praying more. Because we've reduced prayer to just another sacrament. And we pray other people's prayers. And we genuflect and we kneel and we stand and we dance and we jig just perfectly. I shouldn't do that. And we go through all of our little motions And we take things that God designed to connect us with him and we make it about connecting us with ourselves and we end up dying spiritually on the inside and we start chasing human ideas and we say, oh, well, these are God ideas. This is out of the big book. Therefore, it's right. No. All that's doing is feeding our pride. Every bit of it is feeding our pride. I can't take a day off. My team cannot function without me. Now, I've already moved into the church here. Pastor, I would take a weekend off, but if I do, my team's going to fall apart. That has nothing to do with your calling. That has everything to do with your talent. That has everything to do with your pride. Well, if I'm not center stage, then I I need to take a Sunday off. wish everybody was as good as me. Look, I'm going to have to fix it when they get through it. I'm talking to me right now. I'm going to have to fix it when they get through screwing it up. So I might as well just do it right the first time, right? That's none of y'all. That's straight up me. Pastor, can I take care of that? No! Pride. Pride goes before a fall is what the Bible says. If you're living in your pride centers, let me tell you, you are about to trip and fall flat on your face and the largest cow patty that has ever been dropped. Perfect visual because that's how it's going to feel. You're living in pride. And if you're living in pride, you will not be able to produce anything of any value from your life and you're going to literally burn out and no one is going to get any legacy from your life. God will not be able to derive any bit of profit out of what he has invested in you because it's all about you. This is my life. I'll live my life how I want to live my life and this is what it is. And what we end up doing is we end up training children that live the same way. And then when they make bad decisions, Pastor, can you call them? Can you reach out? No, I'm sorry, I can't. You trained your child wrong. They won't listen to me. It's time to correctify. Another made-up word. It's time to correctify our trajectory. I said it correctly. That's a word I struggle with. Thank you all for praying for me. All right, let's go to the next slide. Let me show you something here real quick. 
You see this line? This is the passion line. Okay. This is your life. This is your talent. Just in your brain, remember the pride center is coming off. This is a very unique place to be. This is where God breathes on your life. When God breathes on your life, passion is sparked. Notice this. It's not going the same direction as what you determined. Because God doesn't want you to move the same direction. When God breathes passion on your life, he will literally change the path of everything in your life. Pastor, how do, how do, I, how do I get there? That looks really cool. I would really like the passion thing to happen. What, what do I need to do? Where did they put my stapler? <laughs> that was for Jake. He already knew I was going there. I saw the look on his face. But anyway, how do we get to the passion? How, how do we get here? I'm so glad you asked. I want you to flip in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. You hear me quote this scripture a lot, but I'm going to read it to make sure that y'all know that I'm in the book and I'm not just making stuff up. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. This is literally the last statement before Jesus ascends back into the heavenlies. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the furthest parts of the earth. You will receive power. Everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, how does the Holy Spirit come upon you? In the same way that it happened in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, the Spirit of God breathed over the chaos. And when the Spirit of God breathed over the chaos, the chaos was sparked into life. And when the Spirit of God breathes over the chaos of your life and a spark happens, you are going to live your life completely different. You're going to be his witnesses. You're not going to be my witnesses. You're not going to be the the witnesses of the church with the capital C or even the lowercase c. You're not going to be the witnesses of your political party. You're not going to be the witnesses of your favorite entertainment personages. Whatever that, the influencers, you're not going to be the witness. You're going to be the witness of God himself when his power breathes on you. And when his power breathes on you, something will spark in your life and change everything about who you are. And here, I got to do this. Y'all hear me? Because, Pastor, what are you dealing with? I'm dealing with the sense of theology that's trying to worm its way into the church. And we think that study is where it's at. You you do need to study the Bible, but you need to study the Bible to get closer to Jesus, not to know more information. You don't go out on dates and talk to the person that you're dating to get, you know, stuff and information. You're wanting to get to know them, right? If you're trying to get stuff, that's why all your relationships keep falling apart. You should try to get to know them, and then the relationship works out a whole lot better, amen? You're welcome. I just keep slipping these relational things in there. It's it's awesome. But our theology says I need to study more. And when I study more, I'm going to know more. And that's how we're going to obtain the glory of God. No. Notice he doesn't say you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will suddenly understand everything in Torah. 
Well, Pastor, you, ne you never talk about the end times. Yeah, I actually do literally every Sunday. I'm preparing you for the end times. Because you see, if you don't have profit in your life, I'm talking about financial profit, that kind of word, not like profit, not that kind of profit. If your life has not produced anything, when the trumpet sounds, da -da 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 -da, my friend, you will go, oh, that's really cool. Whether it's before the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation, or after the tribulation, if you have not made disciples, you will be parked. I've never heard it like that. Because you didn't read the text, you read the blogs. It's time to let go of theology. It's time to stop chasing man's ideas about God. He says, I'm going to give you power and I'm going to spark power in your life when I breathe over your chaos and that is going to start something in your life and you will be witnesses unto me where you will go make disciples. You will start right here, then you'll go here, then you'll go here, and then you'll go everywhere. All right, Eden, put that slide back up there, the, the passage slide. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Y'all with me? Have I equally offended everybody yet? Very cool. I'm, I'm so glad. That, that was my goal today. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You do not receive passion in your life until the breath of Almighty God overwhelms your life. Well, I'm passionate about this. Those are tied to your pride centers. That's called lust. But when you receive passion from the Almighty, by the way, this is why even if people make statements, well, I was born this way. Good, that's why you need to be born again. Because when you were born the first time, you're entire existence was filled with things that self-fulfill. You're chasing pleasure. You're chasing human ideas. You're chasing identity in your actions and you're chasing identity in your weaknesses. And all that is, my friend, is lust, which is why you have to toke. You got to drink. You got to sip. You got to slap. You got to, you got to do all the things to try to find fulfillment because you're leaning into, is this too real? You're leaning into your lust and you're chasing pride. Passion is not lust. Passion is not lust because passion is what happens when his spirit sparks true life in you. And amazing things begin to happen when his spirit comes upon you. Go to the next slide. You didn't even see this part of your life. We're, we're all up in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm like way over here at the camera. Like, isn't this a great shot? This looks great on camera. This is the beginning of your life. Notice you, you started developing things here. I, I should have had a little mark here that said creation. Like roughly here. Because you were in the mind of God before he ever said, let there be. Your design was before the fall. That's why your design has nothing to do with the fall. Your design was in the mind of God before anything was created. In fact, what was created was designed for you. So it would match the design that he gave you before the beginning. 
This is your design. That's God's idea about you. Not yours. That's God's idea. Everybody say God's idea. You were designed in the mind of God before anything else was created. Notice it's way back at the beginning and it supersedes everything else and it never intersects talent. Let me bust somebody's idea. God does not give you talent, which is why God does not care what your purpose is because your purpose is determined by your talents. Your design will never intersect your talents. Your design will only intersect your passion. And passion begins when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Does this make sense? Is this too teachy? Anybody learning anything? On the count of three, everybody shout out what you're learning. One, two, three, go. Exactly. It sounds like we're in a Pentecostal church. Everybody's speaking in tongues. Your design is not determined by you and it has nothing to do with anything you get pride off of. Talent is what you bring to the table. Passion is what God overshadows you with. Acts chapter one, verse eight says, you will receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The word in the original is baptizo, which means I will completely submerge you with everything that I am because I don't need your talent. I just need you. It's okay. Like, what, 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 what is this about? It's about discovery. I'm showing you how to discover the intersection. Let's go to the next slide, Eden. Notice what happens when design and passion intersect. Calling. Notice that calling has nothing to do with talent. You know, I'm, I'm really good at building things. Maybe my calling is, nope. I really like standing in front of people. Maybe my calling is immediately no. You know, I studied a lot. I've got something to say. No. Do you know how much I've given to the church? When am I getting a parking place? No. Am I, am I in the book? Your calling has nothing to do with what you bring to the table. It has everything to do with how he designed you and how he sparked you. When those two things intersect, he goes, come here to me. Come up, my love, my dove, my undefiled. You see, calling is relationship not action. Calling is intimacy with the Almighty, not behavior. Calling only comes where His breath has sparked real life in you. And when it intersects, He says, come here. But what about all the things that I've learned? That's cool. We'll get to that later in the series. Actually, next Sunday, we'll get into how we take talent and we turn it into worship. But it's not there until we turn it into that. We got to lean into who he designed us to be. And we have to lean into what he's doing in us and through us as he sparks us. Amen. 
This really cool? Let me go a little bit further here. Acts chapter 2. I'm going to look at four verses here. Acts chapter 2. Okay, this is roughly a month. Roughly a month from when Jesus said, you're going to receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Roughly a month. Everybody say roughly a month. Four weeks. Possibly five. There we go. But in actuality, it is 50 days after what we call Easter Sunday. It's 50 days. And that's important because it says, and when the day of Pentecost had come, that's not excuse to be weird. Pentecost literally is referencing 50 days after Passover. Pentecost is not an excuse for you to be a crazy believer. Pentecost is just talking about Roughly 50 days after Passover, this was a feast that God designed specifically to remind people what he had already done for them when he pulled them out of the slavery in Egypt and to believers to show us he is pulling us out of slavery to sin. Roughly 50 days later, the day of Pentecost had fully come and they were all together in one place. Everybody say they were in community. Isn't it interesting that today is group Sunday? which is all about being in community. Let's go into verse two, and then we'll come back to that in a minute. Suddenly, a sound, everybody say a sound. sound. Like a violent wind. Wait, wait, wind? It seems as if we've already heard about wind today. We did. You see, in the Old Testament, when the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters, that is the Spirit of God breathing, the word that is used in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word ruach. Look at your neighbor and say, Kh. it's a very important Hebrew phrase that you need to remember. That means an exhalation of breath or wind. And the New Testament is written in Greek, so it's not going to be Hebrew. The word here is the word pneuma. Everybody say pneuma. pneuma. This doesn't just mean an exhalation of breath or wind. It means a violent exhalation of breath or wind. It goes from being... To, all right, let me show you. Suddenly, a sound like a violent pneuma, a violent wind blowing came from heaven. Where did it come from? We're not, we're not really sure, so we're just going to say it came from somewhere besides right here. I don't know where the wind comes from, and I don't know where it's going. I just know there was a wind. I can see the effects. I can feel the effects, but I don't know enough about it. There was a violent exhalation of wind coming from the heavenlies and filled the entire house where they were sitting. Verse 3, and tongues spreading out like a fire. Everybody say, like a fire. fire. Look at your neighbor and say, it wasn't fire. fire. Look back and say, I know it was like fire. (laughs) Words are important. Don't go to church expecting God to set the top of your hair on fire. It's not a Pepsi commercial. We're not setting anybody's head on fire. Too soon. I'm sorry. And tongues spreading out like fire appeared to them and came to rest on each one of them. Verse 4, notice this, all. Everybody say all. All. Say not some. Not say only the ones who learned this in seminary. 
Not only the ones that were okay with this, all were filled with the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. I thought it was a dove. No, it's the breath of God. And they began to speak in other languages. Notice this last phrase. This is important. As the Spirit enabled them. Had nothing to do with their talent. You don't learn how to speak in another language. You don't study how to speak in another language. No one takes you down and sits you down on the front row and says, See my time, come time, my time. I say that faster. That's not how that works. You don't get in somebody's ear and say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's it. That's it. No, that's not it. That's not it. No. No. The Spirit gave them the ability, not themselves. It's not your prayer language. It's God breathing in you. Go back to that slide. Sparking passion. Now here's what's really cool. Remember, remember just like a month ago, Jesus said, you're going to receive power when I literally baptize you in my breath. Y'all remember that part? Like we literally just read it a few minutes ago. This is what is beginning to happen on the day of Pentecost. Let's go to the next slide, babe. This is what happens when his spirit sparks passion in you. Let me go ahead and give you a foreshadowing on next Sunday. We're going to learn how to discover gifts. You're not born with these. You can't go to seminary or religious college and get these. I can't pray for you and you get this. You can't read a book and get this. You can't go to a class. I love Next Steps class. By the way, Next Steps in the month of April is next Sunday, not the third Sunday because of Easter. So if you want to get involved, come next Sunday. But going to Next Steps will not give you these nine gifts of the Spirit because they are gifts of the Spirit. And last I check, ain't none of us in here the Spirit. Next week we're going to dive into this and you'll see more about what this looks like. Pastor, why are, I just want to run and hoop and holler. No. If you don't have a foundation, you will burn out. I'm laying the foundation right now because of what God is getting ready to do in you and through you. God is getting ready to do some amazing dynamic things in this church, in individuals in this church. But you have to understand that we are not chasing theology. We are chasing this moment right here where passion sparks. And I love the fact that we serve. I love the fact that we overflow outside of this church. But let me tell you, that is not what God designed us to do. That is not the reason we were designed. That is simply the byproduct of the relationship that we are in. Because I'm in relationship with him, this is what comes out of me. Doing that does not make me passionate. Does that make sense? I do this because I am in relationship with the one who loves everyone and I live like him because I am designed like him and I am filled with him. I just simply do it because it's who I am. 
By the way, that's why you don't need to go through any precursor class to join the serve team when we serve outside of the church. Every person who calls himself a believer should simply do it because you call yourself a believer. But when we start going here, things are different. You see, this has nothing to do with you. You can't study and gain wisdom. You can't, you can't read and go to class to get knowledge. I can write 47,000 books and you can buy everything out of the religious section on Amazon or at lifeway.com, .net, .org, whatever it is. But you're not going to get faith. I can't take you to a healing class and put magic things in your fingers. I can't say an incantation over some water out of the tap and call it holy. Dab it on your head and all of a sudden all your problems are gone. I think we all know better than that. I, I can't heal you by going to a class. I can't go to ministry college and become a healer. Miracles? Well, first off, those ceased at the end of the book of Acts, right? Hog pucky. But I can't teach you how to perform miracles. Prophecy? I don't care how many times you go down to the French Quarter and study at the crystal ball or the tarot cards or go to the faith healers or go to the blogosphere or go to charisma.com and, and read all the, the crazy kooky people that do all the supposedly prophetic things. That's not going to give you prophecy because this is prophecy. Discernment. I love Star Wars, but that ain't the force. You can't go hang out in New Zealand with Luke Stupid Walker, worst character in Star Wars. I was so glad when they killed him off. Go Darth Vader. Woo. But you can't spend time with Uncle Luke and learn how to discern things. You also can't spend time with Pastor Luke and learn how to discern things. We're starting an intern program this summer. We already have a couple people signed up for it, but you can't go through the intern program to learn how to be discerning because you can't learn this because this has nothing to do with you because this ain't your ministry. Languages, it's not your prayer language. It's not, it has nothing to do with you. You just happen to be the mouth that he's speaking through at that moment. In fact, your tongue is the most unruly member there is. It has nothing to do with you. And by the way, in case you start doing it out of order, he gives you the gift of interpretation, but you can't learn how to interpret. Pastor, could you teach me how to interpret tongues? I would love to, but I can't. Pastor, I, I want to learn to pray in tongues. Are there books that I should read? Yes. Y'all, discovering who you are has nothing to do with anything that you've done, anything that you have, or anything that you know. It has everything to do with this moment right here where his spirit goes, Whew. Here's the answer.
interesting thing about these nine primary gifts of the Spirit. There's a whole bunch more that are throughout the Bible. But these nine, we're going to dive into these next Sunday. You don't want to miss next Sunday. It's, it's going to be flipping awesome. Top two inches of your head are going to come off. I promise you. It's going to be great. God's going to take the dove, scramble your brain, put it back on, and then patch on the button send you back out into the world. You can't learn this because you don't always need wisdom. You don't always need miracles. You don't always need prophecy. You don't always need interpretation. If you've never spoken in another language, you definitely don't need interpretation. You don't need to be walking around the office healing people. This is not your ministry. This is his action in your life birth from passion that he sparked in you. That's him, not you. I don't care how talented you are. Giftings have nothing to do with talent. And as we'll learn next week, God will use your talents if you give them to him. But you don't even know how to give them to him until you have a passion moment. Does this make sense? Does anybody feel like you've learned something today? I know this isn't how I normally preach, but I have been feeling God take us to this place for almost a year now. Those of you that have been coming to connect the dots on Wednesday nights, like you've heard bits and pieces of this. And you're going to hear more bits and pieces like in the groups. I said, but what, what does this have to do with so glad, so glad you asked what this has to do with groups. Here's the deal. All of this only happens in your life when you're living in community with the one thing God designed to make you available to his spirit. God takes the individual, places them in a family. We call the family a congregation, our church. Every bit of this is poured into you through the lens of biblical community. See, pride tells us I don't need someone else. Pride tells me I know more than them, so why would I go sit down with them? Pride says they don't need to hear anything from me. What do I know? That's reverse pride, but it's still pride. I have nothing to contribute. If this has happened in your life, God is calling you into relationship with him. And relationship with him connects you with other believers. This is how I know, by the way, that Jesus has nothing whatsoever to do with religion, including ours. Religion tells you that it's a personal relationship with God. That's what religion tells us. The Bible never says that. I've taught that. I'm not teaching that anymore because that's wrong. That's wrong. Kenya, Australia, that's wrong. We don't teach that no more. Nope. When passion happens and God sparks relationship with us, he pulls us into relationship with him and then immediately begins to connect us with other people in his family 
saying, hey, I'm doing things in their life that is going to bump up against what I'm doing in your life. And that iron is going to sharpen iron. And everything that you're struggling with, somebody else has already walked through this. Look at somebody next to you and say, I can't do this without you. No, say it again and this time mean it. Pastor, I'm, I'm just not a people person. I don't, I don't know. God, God has called me to a different place, Pastor. You got to understand. I just need to go pray 47 hours a day. No, you don't. That's the problem. You took something that was supposed to be conversational with God and made it about you. And now you think you're spiritual and you don't need anybody else. When the truth is you're only talking to yourself and you're listening to what you're saying and you think it's God, but it's not God. That's why you keep stepping in stuff after you act on what you heard from the Lord in your private prayer time. Stop. Let's not be weird no more. Look at your neighbor and say, we don't do that here no more. We're not going to be weird. We're going to chase passion. And when we chase passion, God is going to spark something in us. And when he sparks something in us, he's going to reach across the aisle and connect us with somebody else. Real quick, anybody going through something in your life right now? You need other believers. We do a tag in on Sunday mornings before everybody gets here with all the team that's going to be serving. And I, I, over the past few weeks, I've been telling everybody, come to the front. Come to the front. Why? Because it's very easy to go sit in the back and just kind of, oh, no, I'll just be by my... Stop. Stop. Stop pulling back because you're going through something. I'm suffering a loss in my life. I need some me time. No, you do not. You need some us time. The worst thing you could do in this moment because you're suffering through something is get off by yourself. Because all you're going to hear is the thoughts in your head. And you're going to blame that on God. And that's not from God. God is going to heal your situation through his community. Somebody hear me. Somebody hear me. Go to Jesus for forgiveness, but go to his people for healing. That's how he designed it. It's what we learn in the book of James. That's why community is so vitally important. And trust me, you're not so spiritual that you don't need other believers. But that doesn't even make sense until this happens. So here's what I want us to do. I'm, gonna, I'm about to call all of the small group leaders up here on stage just a second. Y'all stay where you are. I'll call you up in just a second because I want everybody to meet you. But before we go there, I want us to take about 30 seconds, maybe even a minute, and just let God begin to do something in every one of us. If you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want you to know that that is a promise. That is for you. It is for your children. It's to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So if you have made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, he is calling you. And if he is calling you, he has a gift for you that he wants to give you that is going to spark passion in a way that you can't even imagine. And when he sparks passion in you, the chaos of life outside of him, life on your own goes away and his spirit begins to be active in every part of your life and he begins to live through you. And I want you to know God is calling you to a passion moment.
So here's what I want to do. Nobody looking around. Every eye closed, every head bowed. In fact, if you want to lift your hands right now and begin to pray, God, I pray that your spirit begin to move in this house. Lord, I pray that you would begin to calm the chaos. I pray that you would begin to bring clarity to the confusion, dear Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would begin to do something dynamic in people's lives as you begin to call them into this place and into this position of relationship, God. Lord, if you already said it, we know that it is forever settled. And God, I know that it is going to be done because your word will not return void. If you said it, I believe it. I don't have to believe it before you said it, God, because it came out of your mouth, God. I believe that it is for me. And right here in this moment, on this first Sunday of April in 2022, Lord, I want passion to be birthed in me. God, not just a desire to feed my pride sinners, God. I want a divine passion to break out in my life as you call me into relationship with you, Lord. And Lord, today I surrender everything that I am to everything that you are. In Jesus' name, come on, y'all. Let's stay in this atmosphere of prayer.